not too far away to come and fall in his arms. Sounds like rest to me. Our text for today comes from the words of Jesus out of Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. And Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is Labor Day weekend. And I find it interesting that to celebrate labor, we take a day off. I mean, I like it. It works for me. But one side of God's commands was six days you'll labor. The other side is there was to be a day of rest for the Israelites. The word rest in the Bible, both in the Hebrew of the original Old Testament and the Greek of the original New Testament, literally foundationally means to repose. In other words, like sitting back in a recliner, to relax. We might say it in the vernacular today, sit back and take it easy. Now that's not all that it meant, but that's at the very foundation of it in this term, rest. Think of the negative side about rest, your restless. Think of the positive outcome of rest, restoration. And here Jesus speaks about rest. I never talk about him, but my grandson and I were traveling recently through Ohio, and we came to a rest area. And so we stopped, and by that time I was certainly ready to appreciate the facilities. Along with that, it was good to stretch, quit driving after a couple hundred miles, and of course check out the vending machines. There's no rest area recipe like a bottle of Orange Crush soda pop and a bag of Cheez-Its crackers. I mean, that just keeps you going. And uh, so anyway, but uh, as I thought about that, and I thought about preaching on this Labor Day weekend, I thought about the importance of rest from the perspective of the Bible. First of all, the Bible does speak about physical rest. We find that Jesus himself, on occasion, physically rested. Mark chapter 4, the Bible tells us that Jesus and his apostles have gotten into a ship to sail across the Sea of Galilee. And while they are rowing, Jesus, the Bible says, is in the stern of the ship, his head on a cushion, he is asleep. So while they're rowing, he's resting. Another time. John in chapter 4, the Lord Jesus Christ is at the little village of Sychar, not quite inside of it, and the Bible says while his disciples go into the town to buy bread, Jesus sits down at Jacob's well. And of course, then we know he had the great encounter with the Samaritan woman and gave her the water of life. But he is resting while the disciples are in buying food for them to eat. In a verse related to this idea of physical rest, Mark 6 and verse 31, here's what Jesus said to his disciples. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Jesus understood there was a need for physical rest periods. 
preaching on that passage, Vance Havner, a famed Southern evangelist, a Southern Baptist evangelist of the past, said this. He said, Jesus teaches us, come apart or you'll come apart. In other words, there are times that we physically need some rest. God established a period of rest in the Old Testament for the Israelites. The Bible tells us about the fourth commandment among the ten in Exodus 20 and verse 8. And God said to the Israelites, I want you to labor for six days. No weekends for the Israelites. He said on the seventh day, I want it to be a sacred day of rest. He said, I don't want you to work. I don't want your servants to work. I don't want your beasts of burden to work. I want it to be a day of rest, copying the fact that God himself, Genesis 2 and verse 2, had created the world in six days, and the Bible says on the seventh day, God rested. I don't believe for a moment that God was exhausted, wearied, or tired, but God ceased the work that he was doing. And he says to the Israelites, I want you to have a rest period in honor of me and also for your physical benefit, and I'm sure spiritually as well. The Sabbath was to be taken quite seriously. In fact, the Bible tells us later in the book of Exodus in chapter 14, that not only, I'm sorry, chapter 23, not only did the Israelites have to rest on the seventh day, but every seventh year they were to let the land rest that they tilled and farmed. God said for that seventh year, don't work the farm. Don't work the land. Let it rest. It was taken so seriously that later in Exodus 31, the Bible says that the death penalty could be executed on someone who did not observe the Sabbath, the rest period. In fact, interestingly, when you go to 2 Chronicles in chapter 34, when the children of Israel, hundreds of years later, went into 70 years of Babylonian captivity, the Bible says part of the reason for that was so that the land could catch up on its rest because most of the Israelites had ignored that seventh year of rest for their land. And now God said the land will rest while you are away in captivity. Unfortunately, even with the good things of God, there are those who will misuse it. By the time the Lord Jesus comes to earth and begins to minister, there are those who've gotten so bound up with the concept of the Sabbath being a day when you didn't do anything, that when Jesus has some hungry disciples in Luke chapter 6 who reach out into the field to grab some grain to eat, there are Pharisees accusing them of working on the Sabbath, even though they're hungry. And Jesus has to rebuke the Pharisees. Later, Jesus is in the synagogue, Luke chapter 6, and again Luke chapter uh, 14, and he heals people who are ill. In the and disabled there in the synagogue. And there are Pharisees who fly into a rage. You're doing work on the Sabbath. One man went so far as to say, listen, if you need to be healed, come the other six days. Don't come on the Sabbath. And Jesus has to rebuke this ridiculous attitude to the point that the Bible says, he finally says, listen, God made the Sabbath for man, not man for the Sabbath. God intended you to rest but not to the point you couldn't help someone in an emergency or who has a special need. Now, in our New Testament era today, I personally, as I study the Scriptures, don't believe we are required to keep the Sabbath 
as Israel was. There are some believers who still practice the Sabbath quite religiously. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 14 and verse 15, that uh, some, or verse 5, that some people uh, consider one day sacred, some people consider every day the same. Paul said, let everyone be convinced in their own mind. If you're a Sabbath keeper, that's fine. If you're not a Sabbath keeper, that's fine. Because what we agree on is Christ is our salvation, not the Sabbath. And then in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 16, Paul says, don't let anyone judge you regarding a Sabbath. Because he said all of those things, and Doug has taught us this so clearly recently, in all things in the Bible, just like the Sabbath, they were a foreshadowing of things to come, verse 17, but the reality is Christ himself, even the Sabbath, points to Jesus Christ. So while we ourselves may not keep a Sabbath in the Old Testament sense, I think it is very true from the Scripture and in the experience of life that there is a benefit and a value to a time of rest. I remember attending a preacher's conference and Dr. John Value of what was formerly Western Baptist College in Salem, Oregon was preaching to us and he said, pastors, the best thing that some of you can do for your ministry is to take a nap. In other words, you know, trying to do the work, you're burning out. You need to have some rest. Looking back through the years, I think probably one of the most successful sermon series I ever gave was when I pastored in Los Angeles and I preached a four-sermon series on stress. At the end of that four-sermon series, our organist, Betty Zinn, came to me and she said, Pastor Tim, she said, I'm going to do something I haven't done in several, several years. I said, well, what's that, Betty? She said, because of those sermons, I'm going to go take a vacation. So we had to get a different organist for that week. But the point is, after several years of not taking a physical break in the form of a vacation, she took her two children as a single mom, and she went away for a week. And I thought, you know, that was effective in getting the point across. And so the importance of rest. Interestingly, reading one sermon that a preacher preached about this matter of rest, and particularly from the physical nature, he said there are many benefits to rest. He said one is when you kind of slow down your schedule, he said, you can have time to just kind of listen to God. He said, number two, he said, there's the benefit that when you stop working for a little bit or take a rest period, you can appreciate being versus doing. We, in our culture, have a mindset that you are worthy because of your work. In other words, our first question often is, what do you do? And if we're not getting anything done, we tend to feel like we are valueless or of less value. Remember, God was God when He created, and God was God when He rested. And so whether you're accomplishing something or you're resting, you are still valuable in the person that God has made you. And you know, that really convicted me from an angle as well, because sometimes as I visit nursing homes or I work with friends who are uh, disabled mentally and so on, there might be a, a question that comes up sometimes. You know, I, I wonder, you know, what, what, is, what is their purpose? And the answer is, their purpose is in being. God brought them into existence. And so their purpose is just as valuable as mine, though I might think I am accomplishing 
physically and on this earth more than someone else. You see, God has made all of us. And so in being, even in a rest period, we can appreciate who God has made us to be. Thirdly, he said it's a great matter of humility. You know, sometimes we tend to think if we don't do it, it won't get done. Like we're some important piece of the cog. You know, when I was a younger pastor, I pastored two different churches, one in Los Angeles and one in Monroeville. And foolishly at times I thought, boy, if I ever leave these poor churches, I've got bad news for you. They are both flourishing just fine without me. And we have a tendency to think we, we are the key. No, the rest period shows us the world goes on turning even when we're not at the core of what's happening. And so these benefits of physical rest. Jesus said, come apart a little bit and get some rest. So whether it's a vacation, whether it's a slowing of your pace, whether it's a nap, or whether it's looking at a busy schedule of good things and finally saying to one good thing, no! It's too much. Got to take a little rest. There's the blessing of physical rest. Even Jesus needed it here on earth. Secondly, there is emotional rest. I found this verse in the Psalms that really spoke to me. Psalm 116, verse 7. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. Apparently the psalmist was in a time of turmoil inwardly. And he said, I need to go back to a rest period emotionally and inwardly. The old hymn, Just As I Am, Charlotte Elliott wrote in the one verse, Fightings and fears within, without. And I think most of us know what it is to be struggling inwardly with concentrating on what needs to get done in our responsibilities of life. And on the other hand, the concerns of the heartaches and the challenges and the difficulties that come to our lives. And between that balance of concentration and concern, sometimes we need a rest period inwardly. The psalmist said, return to your rest, O my soul. How can we have that kind of rest inwardly? Even if we're doing our work, but we emotionally need a rest period. Well, first of all, could I suggest to you devotion the Bible says in Psalm chapter 46, or Psalm 46 and verse 10, Be still, my soul, and know that I am God, or He is God. The same verse or concept is sound in Psalm 37 and verse 7. The old King James says, Rest in the Lord. The newer versions, Be still, and be, be still before the Lord. And it's the idea of just pausing before God. Brothers and sisters, can I suggest to you, if you're not already doing this, that you take a little bit of time on a regular basis and tomorrow's the first day of a new month, it might be a good time to start. When you take a little devotional time, maybe a daily bread from our literature rack or just a chapter of God's Word or some other spiritual material and you just read it before the Lord. 
And maybe you sing a song of praise from your lips or from your heart to the Lord. And maybe you stop and thank the Lord for some things. And maybe you just meditate uh, like we do. We get together on, on, on Sunday mornings as staff and leaders and workers in the ministry here. And we talk about how have you seen Jesus this week and this past week. And so you just kind of meditate. In other words, a few moments just to devote yourself to a focus on the Lord. And God equates that to being still before Him. You know what I find amazing? So many of us Christians who claim to love the Lord, we say, man, I'm too busy for devotional time. Then we're too busy. We need a rest period of devotion to be still before the Lord. Along with devotion, I'd like to suggest enjoyment. Sometimes it can be just so emotionally relaxing and encouraging and restful just to do something that is pure pleasure. I don't know what that might be for you. Maybe going to a a ball game. Or maybe going to Kennywood. Maybe going out for a good meal. Maybe snuggling up on the couch with a good book. Or to watch an old movie. Maybe it's a walk out in nature. Maybe it's just a pleasant conversation with a dear friend you haven't talked to for a while. But something that you truly enjoy. And here's the key. To be able to enjoy it without feeling guilty. Oh, I should be busy. I shouldn't be doing this this relaxation. I shouldn't just be having a good time. I need to be busy. You might need to be busy having a good time. Just having that rest period emotionally. Along with that, Perhaps part of the key is what I call interruption. You may have a very rigid routine in your life. Maybe some things are medically required, and so you do them and must do them regularly. Maybe there are other things you've imposed on yourself for whatever good purpose as a rigid routine. I've actually read some places that once in a while, it's just good to be able to give yourself permission to say, you know what, since I don't have to do that, I don't have to do that. Once in a while to just take a break from the rigid routines of our lives. Just an emotional rest period. Here's one other suggestion. How about accomplishment? You say, now wait a minute, Tim, that sounds like work. What I'm talking about is when there is a nagging in your spirit over something you've been putting off that you know you need to get done. And so your spirit at night does not rest and your thoughts during the day do not rest because you keep thinking about that thing you said you would do or that deed that needs to be done or that promise that needs to be kept or that apology that needs to be shared and it keeps nagging at you, not letting your spirit rest. It is high time to just say, today I'm going to get it done. And then to be able to rest knowing it has been taken care of. Yes, there is a place for emotional rest. You say, well, what about Jesus? Did he ever need emotional rest? I believe he did. Because the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 14, Jesus learned of the brutal beheading of his relative and a great man of God, John Baptist. And when Jesus learned of that brutal beheading, the Bible says he took a boat And he went over to a solitary place to be by himself, to kind of emotionally rest and regroup after hearing the tragic news of his loved one. Yes, there's a need 
for emotional restoration. And then finally, what I might call spiritual rest. And from our text today, notice again what Jesus said. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. St. Augustine, the great church father, said, Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. You know, Jesus said, come to me and I'll give you rest. And I think he was comparing a relationship with him to the religion of the day, or perhaps the religion of any day. Because, you see, he said of the Pharisees and their religion in his day and time, Matthew 23 and verse 4, that the religious leaders put burdens or cumbersome loads of religious rules on people that they were hardly able to bear. Always burdened, always suspicious, always guilty. Am I doing enough? Did I not cross this T? Did I not dot that I? Oh my, it's so tough. They try to follow God. Jesus said, just come to me. I like what one Bible commentator said. He said, God does not ask for our toil. He asks for our attention. And it's to be found in Jesus. Not religion and its rules, but a relationship with Christ Jesus. Furthermore, Jesus said, my yoke is easy. That term easy literally means well fitted. In other words, they wanted to get that piece of farm equipment that controlled the ox as it pulled the plow or the wagon and to fit in such a way that it didn't chafe the animal and bother them so they could, as it were, concentrate on their work. Legend has it that Jesus, as a carpenter, built the best ox yokes in that area. And people came from all over to buy the ox yokes that Jesus built when he was a carpenter. Now that's legend. We don't know if it's true. But he said, my yoke is well fitted and my burden is light. In other words, there is responsibility. And there are, if you will, commands in following Christ. But it's done not out of a legalism, I must. But ultimately out of a love, I will. Because I love Christ and I want to follow Christ. Not perfectly, none of us do. But a heart within that says, I love Him. And I do want to try to please Him. And so he says, my burden is light like the two little boys, the one carrying the other on his back. And some man said, boy, it looks like a heavy burden on your back. He said, he ain't heavy, he's my brother. Just yesterday, I helped one of my sons move. I'm going to guarantee you something. It was hot yesterday. I've never seen so many stairs in all my life. But you know what? I really didn't mind. You know why? It was my boy. You know, by biblical commands, we really shouldn't mind. The burden's pretty light because it's Jesus. Now, let me conclude with these thoughts. Three reasons why we can rest spiritually. Number one, we can rest in the finished work of Christ for our salvation. The Bible says in Romans chapter 4 and verse 25, He was delivered for our offenses. He was raised for our justification. Ephesians 2, not by works that we have done, 
Titus chapter 3 and verse 8, not by good deeds we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. So I don't come trying to earn it or work it. I rest in what Christ has accomplished for me that I might be saved. You know, you might do a task, as we referred to earlier, and it feels good when it gets done. I'll tell you what feels even better. When you know there's a task to do and you show up to do it, and somebody says, hey, I already did it. (laughs) That's great. Well, I'm going to tell you that's the way it is with salvation, friend. You don't do it. He's already done it. And I got news for you. You can't do it. I can't do it. Only he can do it, and he did do it, and so fall upon him. The hymn says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. We rest in the finished work of Christ for our salvation. Number two, we rest in the will of God. Let's face it, there are times we don't get it. There are times we don't like it. There are times we don't understand it, the things that come along in this life. But we can rest that while we don't get it, He's got it under control. And so, Father, I don't get it. It hurts. I don't understand it. What's going to happen in the future? I don't know. But I rest in You. Your will is wise and sovereign. And along with that, thinking of resting in the will of God, you know, just for some reason I was motivated to read Hebrews 13 the other day, and just the first few verses are filled with some some, uh, biblical commands. The Bible says, you know, love each other. The Bible says there, be hospitable to strangers. The Bible says, be good to those who are in need, like in prison or have been mistreated. The Bible says, be true to your marriage vows. And the Bible says, don't be greedy. Now, let's turn that around, and you're not going to do the will of God. So if we don't do the will of God in those verses, what are we going to have? We're going to have, number one, that we don't love each other. Number two, we're going to have that we're inhospitable to those we meet even if we don't know them. Number three, we are not going to care for those who are hurting. Number four, we're not going to be true to our marriage vows. And number five, we're going to be greedy. Now you tell me, which is going to be more a life of rest? Doing the will of God or not doing the will of God? We find rest in the will of God. And finally, we find rest in the wonder of His grace. See, my sin is so large. My sin has been so long in my life. I'm so guilty about it. I'm so convicted over it. I can't be forgiven. Yes, you can. The Bible says in Romans, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. There's not a sin and there's not a sinner that Jesus Christ cannot forgive. And then we rest in the wonder of His grace that He can take what has turned out bad and make it good. One of my favorite Bible characters all time is Samson. For all of his ability and potential, he made some seriously wrong choices. And in the end, he lost his hair, he lost his strength, he lost his eyesight, and he lost his freedom. But I love Judges 16.22 where the Bible says his hair began to grow again. And in the end of his life, he vanquished more of Israel's enemies than all of the years of his judgeship before then. The wonder of his grace that we can rest, that he can take something that seems so bad 
still make it turn out good. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good. So what's the heart of our sermon today? Follow Jesus and get some rest.